So, here's what I want to, to point out. The Bible says in, in Matthew, or excuse me, in Psalms 22, verse 3, it says, But thou art holy, and thou inhabitest the praises of Israel. Or another verse, uh, translation says, of your people. It's interesting that God says he inhabits the praises of his people. That means he is literally in them. Now, when I was growing up, I remember I had a concept of what church service was like. I had the service split into two halves. There was the praise and worship, and there was the message. And in my mind, and this wasn't wrong, it was just incomplete. In my mind, the first half was for God. I'm singing for him. The second half was for me because I was going to learn something. And I had that split. And I remember when I was really young, my mom, whose punctuality is not her strongest point, would sometimes arrive late. And I used to think that I had, like, lucked out because I had missed you know, part of it, but I hadn't missed the part that was for me. I had missed that other part. But as I've grown in my understanding, I realize I totally missed it. You see, praise and worship was and is about God. And we sang that first song about how we're ministering to him, and there is complete truth in that. But there is other truth that I was totally missing. And first of all, I'm pointing out it is that he inhabits the praises of his people. God is already in me. 1 Corinthians chapter 3.16 says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? John 14.23, Jesus replied and said, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them. And we, being he and his father, will come to them and make our home with them, or other translations say, in them. You see, he is in his praise. There is, there is, his presence is in me. But then often his presence is on me or around me. And there is a difference between those two things. And we're going we're gonna to see how God's presence is literally in his praise. How many of you remember the story of King David? Well, usually when we say the story, most of us think of David and Goliath and how he killed the, the giant. But the story I want you to remember is the story about when Saul was afflicted by an un... Uh, well, so the Bible says it was an evil spirit. And that they called David. And David would play his harp. And when David played his harp, the evil spirit would leave Saul. Simply because he was in the presence of David playing the harp. Now, here are a few questions that I ask myself. What about David playing that harp caused the evil spirit to leave? It's interesting that the Bible doesn't say, and when he began to sing the psalms. It doesn't even reference exactly which songs he sang. It says when David, a man after God's own heart, we've heard, we see that about him elsewhere, when he played, the spirit had to leave. Why? 
See, this verse gives us the answer. It says God inhabits the praises of the people. God's presence went beyond where it normally was intense and filled the room where that praise was heard, where that music was played. As a musician, when he praised God with his music, when he played music, even just the playing of his harp, God's presence was in the music and it affected the surroundings. So here's here's what I want to ask you for a second. If God indwells praise to him, if he indwells the praise of godly people, singers, musicians, what indwells music that praises something other than God? Someone once said, all music praises or worships something. It'll either worship God, it might worship money, it might worship romance, it might worship uh, fame, it may worship the devil himself. But what spirit would indwell music that praises another spirit? People have sometimes asked about the value or the, the merits of listening to Christian music or listening to other music. And this is what I've always pointed back to. I've said, if there was enough potency in the music, in the spiritual presence that accompanied that music, that it caused that evil spirit to leave, then I need to recognize that music and praise aren't just a passive declaration. They carry with them a spiritual presence. So I want you to to, to notice this spiritual truth. Music is inhabited by the spirit that it praises. God, the music that is played for God, his presence is there. It is so potent that it affects the spirits that are in that place and in that room. The evil spirit could not stay on Saul when David would praise. Psalms chapter 50 verse 23 says, Whosoever offereth praise glorifieth me, and to him that ordereth his conversation aright, I will show the salvation of God. Praise can be identified by who it glorifies. When we sing, who do we glorify? And I'm not saying that you can't listen to music that isn't Christian. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is recognize that it always has a spiritual component to it. Always. What is it glorifying? If it's glorifying God, then He is inhabiting that praise. If it's glorifying greed, money, power, the thug life... Whatever it is, there is a spiritual presence with it. But praise and worship contains within it God's presence. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 15. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved, those who are perishing. It talks about how 
We are a sweet aroma to God. God talks about his praises being and our prayers being an aroma, a sweet presence to him. Psalms 149.6 says, May the praise of God be in their mouths and a double-edged sword in their hands. This is that other side of the coin. Praise is worship to God. But the Bible says it's a double-edged sword in our hand. If you're looking at my hand, I'm going to have to explain this so that you're just not curious and distracted. I jammed my finger against a tree the other day, so I have this little splint there. Sorry. Back. If I was in the audience, I'd be like, what in the world happened? And I'd get distracted. So now we can put that to the side. All right. A double-edged sword. Psalm says, may the praise of God be in their mouths and a double-edged sword in their hands. Praise isn't a passive thing. Praise is an offensive tool. Praise can literally be a weapon. In 2 Corinthians chapter 20, we have the story of Jehoshaphat. How many of you can remember that story? He was, Israel was being ambushed by multiple nations And someone came to Jehoshaphat and told him last minute, he said, they snuck around the way we didn't expect them to come and they're going to be here soon. We're in trouble. And he went to pray. And God said to him in verse 15 through 17, he said, don't worry. You don't have to fight this fight. I've got it. And when he trusted that God would fulfill his promise, They marched out to the armies and they set their praise band in front of the soldiers. And it says in verse 22, it says, as they began to sing and praise. When? As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah and they were defeated. The Ammonites, the Moabites, rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped destroy one another. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert that looked toward the vast army, they found only dead bodies. When they finally arrived where their enemy was, their enemy had already fought amongst itself, themselves and died. So Jehoshaphat and his men went out to carry off the plunder, and they found among the men a great amount of equipment and clothing and articles of value, more than they could carry away. So much was the plunder, it took three days to collect it. God says in 2 Corinthians chapter 15, what he said to Jehoshaphat, he said, the battle isn't yours to fight, it's mine. But what did Jehoshaphat have to do? Praise. Praise. Another story that illustrates the power, I would say the offensive power of praise, is in Acts chapter 16, verse 23. Paul and Silas, it says, after they had been flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. And when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. (laughs) How many of you think that's what you would do if you were in jail? I got, I got arrested one time in Cuba after smuggling Bibles in. We were trying to help out some underground Bible schools. We got arrested. Fortunately, they didn't catch us in the act of preaching. They just caught us at a church. 
And they brought us in for questioning. They stuck us in a room, and I had no idea. I'm remembering the stories about, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the book I had written, but there's a man who spent like 15 years in a Cuban prison. And I'm remembering his story, and I'm thinking, is this how it started? And, you know, I remember we, we prayed, and I just remember the peace of God coming on and just relaxing. They came in, they interviewed us, they talked to us for a while, and they ended up kicking us out and said, go to the beach, stay away from the churches, just, just go to the tourist areas, which is what Cuba wanted at the time. They didn't want missionaries, but they did want people to spend money in their tourism industry and, and boost their economy. So they were like, just go out of here and go to the beach. But I think when we're faced, and I didn't get flogged, and I remember some of the people that were arrested with me were terrified. Terrified. And I remember thinking, I remember bringing up this story to them. And they didn't know. It didn't, it didn't inspire any songs at the moment. But, here's the point. What did inspire that song? Their focus and their trust was not in the situation. It was in God. It says at midnight they were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. And the jailer woke up and he, when he saw the doors open, he drew his own sword and was about to kill himself knowing that he would be, in, be killed for the escaped pr prisoners because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. Jailer called for lights and rushed in and trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? How powerful is that? It's interesting that praise and worship ushers in God's presence. And our hosting of God's presence is one of the indicators of our, our spiritual potency. You realize what people see and what changes situations isn't us. The Bible says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. It is God's presence in and on me that makes a difference in my world. See, we know that God is already inside of each of us. But do we host his presence in a way that is noticeable and affecting others? Mark chapter 9, 29. If you remember, the, the disciples tried to pray to cast out a certain demon. And they brought him to Jesus. And Jesus said, this kind comes, can come forth by nothing but prayer and fasting. And then, without a long period of prayer and fasting, Jesus casts it out. You ever notice that? He did that because he had already prayed and fasted. How many of you realize getting thrown into the water isn't the time to learn to swim? And many of us have that approach. We're like, okay, I'm just going to go along, and when I can't, well, then I'm going to come back, and I'm going I'm to learn to swim, and I'm going to figure it out. I'm just... 
Jesus says, no, you need relationship with the Holy Spirit. You need his presence in an extra intense way in order to dispel this particular spirit. One of the ways that we enhance his presence on our lives, we just heard it. There's prayer, there's fasting, but it's also praise and worship because he indwells the praises of his people. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 through 18 says, Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with every increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is spirit. Let's go back and read this again, relating this to his presence in praise and worship. Now the Lord who is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where is, there free, where is the Spirit of the Lord? It is in me and it inhabits His praises. So when I praise, what am I inviting in to the atmosphere? Freedom. I'm inviting His Spirit and by consequence, freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the, glory, the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image how are we being transformed into his image by exposure to his presence and his spirit how are we exposed to his presence and his spirit through praise and through worship through interaction with him with ever increasing glory which comes from where the Lord who is what spirit Think about this for a second. Acts chapter 15 says that Peter, when he would enter a city, people would crowd there hoping that just his shadow would fall on them and they would be healed. Was it Peter's shadow? Or was it the presence of God that surrounded Peter? See, it wasn't his shadow. It was that Peter hosted the presence of God in an active way. Like David hosted the presence of God when he sang. If we desire to host God's presence in a way that affects our surroundings, what are we to do? Sit back and hope? No, the Bible says that we can... can host his presence, that he inhabits the praises of his people. When I am singing and praising to God, yes, I am ministering to him, but his presence is coming back to me and to those surrounding me as I worship and his presence inhabits that praise. It's interesting that Jesus didn't have to see that that demon and then go pray and, and build up. He had already, as we say, he'd already learned to swim. My son is 16. He doesn't have his own car. That means if he wants to drive a car, he has to ask for mine. 
Now, if one of the things he needs is my trust, how many of you can understand that? If he was to lose my trust, could he come to me and say, all right, so I need your, the car tonight. What can I do in the next five minutes to earn your trust? How many realize it, it, it doesn't quite work that way? If, if he wants my trust, what does he need to do? He needs to do it before he needs the car. Because, quite frankly, if I know his motive is to get the car, it doesn't earn quite as much trust. But if he does it the, the day before and the day before, and consistently, then I see. He is gaining my trust. My relationship with him is growing. Our ability to host God's presence and affect those around us in some ways is an extension and an expression of the relationship that we have cultivated with God. Jericho, it's interesting, is another example of the power of praise and declaration. I like it. In, in chapter 6, verse well, I'm going to start in one, and I'm going to focus on two. It says, now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because the Israelites, of the Israelites, and no one went in and no one came out. Then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have, what tense is that? Past tense, delivered Jericho into your hands. We, the, the verse before says, and the walls were shut. They were, we know that they were big, they were tall, they were closed. And God says, the Lord says to Joshua, see, I have delivered them, them into your hands. And then he goes on and he tells them, he gives them the instructions. He says, here's what I want you to do. Verse 3, he says, march around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have, your, have seven priests carry trumpets and ram's horns in the front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a shout, then the wall of the city will collapse. But he already said, see, you have, past tense, the city. And then, in verse 16, we have the account, and it says, the seventh time around, when the priest sounded the blast, Joshua commanded the army, shout, for the Lord has, past tense, given you the city. They were declaring, they were praising God for what he had done even before, and they were seeing what he'd done before the walls had fallen. Ken talked a little bit about how praise isn't just for a situation. It's not just praise. We extol the Lord at all times, not just after a victory. But part of that is because God says, look to my promises and know that they're real. Trust that they're real. 
See, God has promised us, just like he promised Joshua, he has promised us victory. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Romans 8.37. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. See, God says, look at that. And then praise me knowing this is what then the walls will fall. You will see it. Praise and worship is a way of life. Psalms chapter 57 verse 7. David said, my heart, O God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. I like the way it says it in the King James Version. It says, my heart is fixed. Oh God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. What that means is, I have already locked the steering wheel into place. This is where my heart is going. It doesn't depend on the situation. My heart is fixed. I will sing and I will praise. Because it's not based on what's happening surrounding right now, but it's based on what I know of your character of your promises, and I see it coming. When we come, or when, I say when we come and worship, but when we worship at home, when we worship in our car, when we worship in the bathroom, in the shower, in the bedroom, wherever, when we praise our heart, it is a, it is a lifestyle, it is a decision we make that we say, I am going to choose to be fixed on this. Nehemiah says, it is for the joy of the Lord is your strength. How do we have joy in any situation? How did the Israelites have joy to shout at the walls of Jericho when the walls hadn't come down yet? The joy of the Lord is their strength. And it's interesting in Nehemiah 8.10. It says, at the beginning, it says, Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared, for this day is holy to the Lord. Do not sorrow. If we look before this, they were all down and out because at this moment in time, they were still refugees in another place. And it says, So the Levites quieted all the people, saying, Be still, for the day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way. They ate and drank to send portions and rejoice greatly because they understood, understood the words that were declared to them. They went from sorrow to joy without their situation changing because they understood the words that were said to them. What were those words? Those words were, the joy of the Lord is your strength and his promises will come true. That is what we praise we praise the tru- him because we trust with our whole heart. Psalms 38.1 says, I will praise you with my whole heart. Before the God, I sing praises to you. It's not a mechanical thing. It's a wholehearted thing. We praise with our heart, with our mind, with our soul, with everything that is. How many of you are ready to praise with all? Of ourselves. All right, here's what we're going to do. I want the ushers to come down. 
We're going to take up the offering tonight, which the offering, by the way, is just another form of worship to God. We're going to praise Him with our offering, and we're also going to praise Him with our hearts, our minds, our lips. We are going to sing, and He is going to inhabit that praise. And as we lift Him up, I encourage you, tune in and recognize that His presence is here. It's already in us, but it will be on us and around us as we lift him up in prayer and praise.